0: And I was trying to think how, how best to start because the, these are a departure from the traditional what, trigonometry show ones I've done. So this is sort of good blokes. Yep. So it's guys that I kind of meet and go, well, I want to sit down with that person at some point and have yep. a chat because they've said something or something has sparked up. So I was like, all right, how do I start this? And I figured the best intro was because I've, I've talked about you a bit over the years, particularly <laughs> to people who, who come to courses, because I remember I originally met you through the Hunter Education course. Mm where well, you came out and we were doing deer processing everything mm-hmm. and what, what I guess cemented it was that we're all part of it we teach people how to skin and, and gut animals and you're, you're standing there basically with this fellow deer's leg between your feet with a knife in your hand about to slit up the ridge line of the, this leg to start skinning it and you made an offhand comment along the lines of I'm not used to doing this to things that are dead already <laughs> and I don't know if anyone else <laughs> noticed it <laughs> yeah, well, I think the guy taking the course did. Richard did, yeah. We looked at each other. And like, Richard looked at me. I looked at him. i was like, what? And then carried on. So that morning tea time, I was like, right, I need to figure out what what on I mean, earth, <laughs> where that came from, you know, and like, do we need to, you know, call the authorities or whatever. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, so we got talking and, and you're a doctor, you're um, ex-military medic from my understanding as well. So I, I guess... Well, first, to introduce yourself, I guess, would be the thing. Um, yeah. And um, just a, a quick bit of your background.
1: Yeah, it's always hard to introduce yourself, eh? It's like, well, Enya, was <laughs> it old now? But I started out, like, um, I guess, as a physiotherapist and then went back to medical school. Yeah. And then obviously did some time here and in sort of rural Australia where it's pretty, well, medicine can be a bit loose. Yeah. You know, so yeah. as a junior doctor, it's quite good fun. Like, you can get to do a lot of stuff that you'd never get to do. You mean like, flying doctor territory, or, I mean, you know, we'll I have an image of what... Just hospitals over there, some of the rural ones are staffed by really junior doctors, so, you know, right. if, like, traumas and stuff come in, you're it, so you're getting to do stuff that was never really... Gotcha. Yeah, you know, in a big hospital like Auckland, there's so many senior people around that you wouldn't get to do it. Yeah. So there's a lot of young doctors that, you know, don't get to do stuff until they get older. Yeah, okay. So we were doing this really loose, well, not loose, but, yeah, you know, pretty loose sort of stuff <laughs> out in Aussie. And then from that, when we came back, there was a group of us, like, you know, we sort of decided like, to knuckle down, and then I went off and did some anesthetics, and then ended up quite luckily on the Westpac rescue after that. Oh, okay. Yeah, because um, I met a guy at work, you know, who was involved in it, and he said, hey, you've done, you know, some of this stuff, you yeah. know, out in the rural, that for someone you, you know, your experience, would you be interested? Because it was all volunteer back then. Yeah, okay. And we are like, yeah, sweet, you know.
0: Well, it, it's, and it's, well, I guess what interests me as well is that the um, people, I tell everyone whether they're doing firearms licensing or the courses we do, it's like you need to go get some first aid training. You need yeah. to go get some skills. It's a basic, it's not even a you want to do hunting or you want to own guns. It's just like basic life skills. Yeah. Let's all of us learn what we need to do if we have some major yeah. issues. And then workplace as well, I very, and with my upbringing, I also very quickly realised that most of first aid training, most of us do, is not going to help with trauma and not going to help with actually serious accidents. So I think about that time when I first met you, that was where I was starting to become even more aware of some gaps in what I had learned. Like we all do the workplace first aid courses where we learn CPR and basically make the person comfortable because the ambulance is hopefully five minutes off the road. But... For for remote stuff, for hunting or, like, outback of that or Westpac, it's like there is – you don't have the same resources you are, you know. Yeah. And it's not quite, you know, the stuff we do is
1: not quite sort of military medicine. There are sort of, like, you know, differences and stuff, but it's sort of a mix of, mm. like, civilian mili- medicine and military medicine, you know, because yep. you've got, obviously, the firearms and knives and accidents that you'd experience sort of, like, in the military, but then you've also got – you know, different aspects of care because, you know, no one's trying to blow your head off at the, <laughs> you're not at the same
0: yeah. time. Well, and it was something Boris said as well because he, he was talking about some of the training they're doing over there and, of course, also for military, most of the guys you're dealing with are probably of a certain age, a yeah. fit generally, and have training of their own yeah. to sort of help. They kind of yeah. know what the deal is going on here. It's, it's like, his name. doc, He's, yeah. it's his,
1: you know. Yeah, because when we were training up, you know, helping supervise the guys before we went on deployment and stuff, you know, every soldier has a basic kit yeah. on their body, yeah. and every soldier knows basics, you know. It's up to them to do that first aid treatment before the medic mm. gets there. So, yeah, compared to you go out hunting, like I go with my brother and his mates and stuff, you know, they don't have any... Training yep. at all, yeah. So, like, I've sort of made up some basic kits for them and like given them some basics and taught them mm. basics, you know. And just, yeah, because a lot of the first aid stuff is, I mean, I don't care if you've got a blister or a, or a fucking cut on your finger and stuff like that, mm. you know. I don't, <laughs> yeah, you <know>, we don't <laughs> care if, you, if you're worried about that sort of stuff, you know, you shouldn't be out hunting, really, yep. you know, yeah. And um, as with CPR and stuff like that, all that sort of first aid type stuff, I mean, if you're doing CPR, one of your mates in the bush the chances are they're pretty fucked yeah
0: well you know, it yeah. was a through my mountain safety council and then Landside especially the landsar side because the guys they bring in to do the training are pretty they're either military background or they're mm. trauma based or anything and same thing they're like CPR in the bush or something for the amount of time and it, CPR anyway yeah um, and we're talking separate from having defibs and everything, yep. but they're like, one, you know, there's no defibs in the bush. You're yep. not taking a defib out with you. And two, if you're at the point where someone stopped breathing and it's five hours before any help is coming, yep. good luck. Yep. Do it. You're still going to try. Yep. Remember them saying you're still going to try, try everything, everything you do, but let's be realistic yep. with
1: it. And that's probably what most of them would say, you know, one of the biggest parts of your first aid and stuff in the bush is decent comms, yep. isn't it? Because if you don't have comms, you're never going to get anything like the helicopter in to Mm. get you and it's that delay time isn't it yeah you know because people either from hunting accidents when they get shot the ones we they over die at the scene and there's literally nothing anyone could do to stop it or they've got some sort of slower hemorrhage where you've got a hemorrhage under control where you know they can survive for a period of time but not for it indefinitely isn't it yeah so the quicker you can get them somewhere then
0: yeah, I and mean, that becomes a huge part of it. Well, that's, that's the thing. And you know, I suppose you said that it's getting guys with the basic, the most basic mm. of kits. And this is, like, I think this is where trampers and... Hu- I mean, everybody should have, to me, everybody should actually probably have a trauma kit of some kind. Yeah. Because whether you're a person walking down the street, a person who is out tramping by yourself mm. or a person is hunting, just because you have a firearm or just because you may use a knife, doesn't mean there's not still accidents that can cause a great amount of blood loss or major issues. But, I mean, I I got to the point where I was reading online. I knew I needed to have some of this equipment and some of what I had in my first aid kit that we all kind of have, you know, some sticking plasters and some stuff for blisters, you know, some of the wool stuff and everything (laughs) and some Panadol, maybe a splinter probe, is not going to help if I had major bleeding. So I was like, right, what am I going to do? I started reading about tourniquet, sort of reading about wound packing. But then, of course, I realized now I had all the gear and no, none of the training or the skills. Yeah. And it's all very well, guys, still talk, which I don't think, I don't know your thoughts on it, but I can guess as the guy's talking, oh, well, my belt will work as a tourniquet or I can do this or whatever. It's like, sure, if you're going to try, but there's this thing called a tourniquet, which works yeah. pretty well as a tourniquet.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, much like the, uh, the old uh, tampon or wound packing. It's yeah. like, you just use the actual gear, yeah. but it's also having some skills to do it. So. Yeah. So I mean, I gave everybody
1: who I go out with because it's sort of like a regular group In tight Fati, Like I gave them all a tourniquet because I've got so many of them. Yeah. Yeah. You because know, quite often for training, they'll use them once for training and then they're not fit for service. You know. It's just like, yep. well, they actually are. Yeah. yeah. You know. So I give them all a tourniquet and show them all how to use it because if there's one thing that's going to save a hunter's life, it's going to be. And even in the military, the one thing they mm-hmm. found that the most saves the most lives is a tourniquet. Yeah. I mean, that's why they're called cats. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's a, it's a. And if you can just use a simple tourniquet, then most accidents, I suppose, involving knives or firearms, you're going to th- save a lot of mm. lives. Because if you're shot anywhere in the torso or centre mass or stuff, you know, to be fair, with hunting rounds, you're dead. Yeah, yeah. Typically. Yep, yep. Or if you're lucky, it's something slow mm. and there's not much you can do about it. yeah. Anyway, yep. you know, it's like, but you can, everybody, every hunter, I think, or anyone that's got a firearm should have a tourniquet.
0: Well, it, it's like through Mountain Safety Council, they look at the the um, coroner's reports, they look at incident yep. reports and everything, and they know, and I say this to people doing course, you're not that likely to shoot yourself or shoot somebody else. You've got to remember, in civilian world, it's not... Yep. That it doesn't happen that often, but yeah, when it does happen, the results catastrophic. But what you are not likely to do, but what you're more likely to do for a hunter is open up your legs or your wrists or something with yeah. a knife while you're skinning that animal yeah. in the dark with your headlamp while it's wet and your hands are covered in blood. Yeah, and that's exactly where a tourniquet on one of those limbs well, could it. help, mm-hmm. or at least prolong it. That's yeah. that's probably the main thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, so you you. Uh, now, just going back in your the story. Then, so were you military before you were doing that, uh, or did you were you already I medical a, and then went to the military?
1: Well, I did a little bit of military in between physio and med school, like just as a as a Whole TF day. soldier, <laughs> just as a well, oh, okay. like, like, TF, yeah, yeah. yeah There's a couple of years in between where I didn't know really what I wanted to do. So I was working as a physio and doing stuff, and I thought, hey, young fellow, you know, yeah, want a bit more physical sort of job, I might join the military full-time. So I yep. went in as a as a territorial soldier in the infantry and did part-time stuff and then went into medical school. Okay. So then I just sort of like, because I qualified for medical school, so I sort of stopped doing that TF stuff mainly because it was a bit annoyingly organised at times. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, like when you're a full-time student, yeah, you yeah, show yeah. up to something and they're like, hey, we've cancelled it or all this like, So it wasn't. I got you, yeah. And then I got recruited back in... Um, sort of when all the deployments were going overseas, I guess, with New Zealand's commitments to Iraq, like there's some people contacted me and said, Hey, we don't have enough doctors. Some of the doctors that are like full time in the military are literally refusing to go. Because oh. you can in New Zealand Army, it's voluntary. Oh, overseas okay. deployment voluntary, yeah. So even though these doctors were being paid to be doctors, yeah. They weren't going. So they were working for because the
0: military. Because of the conflict? Because yeah, they, they, they just wanted to be in conflict. Yeah.
1: And they just had other life commitments. and so they just yeah. decided not to go. So the New Zealand military can't force them. Yeah. And they said, hey, would you consider sort of re and doing something? I was like, wow. Well, so <laughs> I sort of said, oh, okay, I'll think about it. Next thing, I'd been to you know some training weekend and then you're sort of back into sort of like <laughs> training again. It's like, well, you can't be a private anymore. And I was like, why not? It's like, because you're a doctor. So you had to go off to bloody right. officer school and do all that sort of. I won't say rubbish, but all that sort of stuff. And then, like, within finishes, as, as I completed that, they were like, hey, do you want to go off to Iraq? And I was like, you know, you couldn't talk about it at the time, but you can now. And it's yeah. just like, okay, yeah, yeah. sweet. I all approached work and they sort of said, well, we can't stop you because of the New Zealand contracts. Right. You allowed Defence Force leave. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, so the hospitals, they advertise it, but they can't fire you. They have to let you go right. and keep your job. Right. So off I went for a year. <laughs> And then came back. So it was like, yeah, so sort of a bit of a mix, you know? It was like. But now it was like, I enjoyed it. But it was just interesting to see, you know, because I suppose, unfortunately, in, in New Zealand, as a medic or a doctor or whatever, you're going to see more trauma in somewhere like Auckland Hospital, like in the emergency department, than you will see in the military. Right. Yeah, way more trauma. We see that's, a lot of trauma.
0: Okay. Well, that's not something I would have really have thought because that is interesting so there's a gap in there now as I suppose what you're doing now is you're at Auckland mm-hmm. and what's your role at Auckland
1: so I'm in an emergency sort of like a they call me like an SMO a senior doctor um, even though I haven't mm-hmm. done the formal emergency training scheme sure which I'm sort of back doing now yep so still while I'm working I'm going through the process of formalising it yep so you know if you're doing a night shift or doing a day shift sometimes you'll be either you can either run the department or run the recess itself or actually just be like a 2IC sort of with So basically
0: when, when for the emergency department when people are going in and they're probably a mess generally it's going to, well they may not be seeing mm. your face because they may not be in a state to see much at all but you're probably going to be one of those first people that's actually in there yeah. actively sorting the mess out I yeah. guess. So emergency medicine is weird in New Zealand, like you've got different areas
1: like you've got like sort of like the full on what you think emergency is like the resus sort yep. of area, so you'll have two docks in there and then you have other areas where people come in with Everyday sort of serious stuff like, you know, potential heart attacks, strokes, elderly right. people unwell, and other sort of minor type traumas and medical stuff. And then because people can't afford to go to GPs these days, you have the walking sort of ambulatory care, yeah. which is like every doctor's sort of nightmare when you get rostered to that part of the department for a shift.
0: Yeah, gotcha. Because it's
1: just like people coming in and, you know, there's I've got a sore turf, I've stubbed my toe. Other stuff, which is probably more serious, but they don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it can be interesting. Or it can just be really frustrating because people just don't go to their GPS. Yeah.
0: Well, that's so. the thing. I mean, and I can see why. For especially if you're public care or something, I've sat plenty of times. Even when I had um, at work and stuff, a staff member does something, laceration, something like that. You find yourself sitting in there, and as long as they know, I guess there's the right term. This is the part of the triage protocol. Yeah, look at the note. You're not. Yeah immediate threat of life, so you are going to sit there for a while because yeah. there's more people than there is doctors or nurses or, or care capacity. Yeah. So I can see then when people are sitting in that, that it just, or maybe they just don't know, it's just easier, it's an emergency, I've stubbed yeah. my toe, to me it's an emergency, I'm going to go into an emergency yeah. department. They haven't seen the scale of actual emergencies that are yeah. actually going in there. Yeah, well, some, it's also some...
1: Because, I mean, obviously, like, we're quite sort of, you know, mixed sort of cultures and stuff in Auckland. Sure. And a lot of people from overseas, in, that, in their country, that's what they do. Uh, okay.
0: Like, you know, say something
1: like China, they don't go to, they don't have GPs from what I understand, or they don't, you go to the hospital for everything.
0: Right, okay. So the
1: DM, it makes sense, you know, Yeah, I've yeah. got a cold or I've got a cough, you go to the emergency department. Yeah. Whereas in New Zealand, it's just, like, where the hospital's too small and understaffed and stuff, is like, we don't, it's not here how do you put it yeah we don't want you you don't (laughs) no no if you're sick it's a priority thing if you're sick we want you but if you've got time to go see your GP if you've got time then you should do it because it's just especially come winter and especially when there's a pandemic on in the world you you just don't have the capacity or the time yeah because you imagine it's coming in winter but anyone at the moment that comes in with say, i I've got a cough I've got a sniffle yeah we have to treat as a potential COVID patient. So it just yep. turns the whole thing into a nightmare. They've got to be isolated in a single room and all this sort of crap. We just don't have enough space for that in New Zealand. The hospitals no. weren't built that way.
0: Well, you know, and right? and there was almost it almost seems like this thought when when the COVID thing came through that every all the focus came on COVID, but that didn't stop all the ac- the car no, accidents no. and the, the yeah. other things that yeah. just carried on happening. Yeah. So it was on top of that. It's and it's funny you mentioned that because that's where most
1: of the pro- potential almost harm came from the whole COVID thing. It's like during COVID lockdown, ED turned into a proper ED. Like all the minor stuff, people were too scared to come to the hospital, so they stayed home. So we were doing pure emergency and the hospital could cope really well, funny enough. But the problem then backfired was that people were too scared to come to the hospital with some other stuff. Yes. So, and then when they did make it, like say for heart attacks, some people would come late because the pain hadn't gone away for hours or uh, even days. Yeah, yeah, They'd come in late, and then because the testing was so slow initially, the care lab would say, well, are they free of COVID? And you're like, well, we don't know. Yeah. Or somebody would come in from a car accident, are they free of COVID? It's like, we don't know, they can't talk to us. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, well, if we take them to the care lab, we've potentially dirtied the entire lab, and then we can't do Clean patients, yeah. And at the start, they didn't know what to do, so there were these massive delays, which was probably causing more harm. Yeah, because we were over calling, or I suppose the hospital was worried about infection more.
0: Well, in the early days, there was the. I think that was a big thing. It was that great unknown, yeah. like what is, where could it turn, and it could have. I guess in hindsight, it's always, always seems to be better to be more. Um, what's the word? Uh, cautious over mm. it because the alternative is worse, but but yeah well up. we got
1: lucky at the start it's good to think when it first happened um, the, there was no testing in New Zealand so a test would take two weeks Yeah, you'd have to send it to Australia right. and then they sort of got quicker testing once it finally started where it was like two day turnaround or longer depending on the numbers now there is a rapid test but only in specific cases because it's more expensive and more work which can turn around in two hours Gotcha. but then even all those tests are only about 70% accurate yeah. So really like if you've got people you're worried about, you have to test them three times. And people were getting caught on the third test. Yeah. You know, to get it up to a decent
0: in all the meantime, they may be needing something that you're not sure whether we yeah. can be putting them into whatever, whatever it is. It's the
1: space in the hospital; you can't yeah. put them in a multi-bed room. It's yeah. not that you know. Single rooms are not that. It was a luxury.
0: I mean, it was. <laughs> yeah. But the yeah. funny thing, like Sam, it related not emergency, but when we had the kids, we found ourselves because of a, a technicality. We were in NICU and then had yeah. our own room. And, yeah. and in hindsight, it was there was a luxury. It's just like yeah. not that I want the complications of. of childbirth on anyone yeah. but as it turned out it was fine and everything yeah. but yeah we we got the yeah. treatment because of it but that's not the norm no. No, so we found the, out. Yeah. like
1: new zealand got really really lucky with covid because mm. they they were completely unprepared when they started like if we had like sort of like the uk and other stuff at the start here we'd have masses of deaths because yeah. we just didn't have the facilities um like even the emergency department they only finished the renovations to sort of put in decent sort of flow and quarantining type facilities when they lifted level one, because they were building, right. they were building in a hurry. Yeah, people were on TV going, "Oh, you know, there's plenty of PPE and stuff like that." Rubbish. At the start, they had none, it was mm-hmm. none, and it was just all, "Let's keep the public calm." say yeah. this, you know, the staff were worried because everybody knew, like, "Hey, if it kicks off, you know, because medical staff in the US and UK and other countries and that were dying yep. for exposure."
0: Well, some of the guys have been lucky enough to meet the police and stuff. You talk to them, it's like, how are you guys going? They're like, well, we're having to keep isolated from the individual groups. Because imagine, same, healthcare workers, if they get sick, well, then who is the healthcare workers? The police, if they were getting sick. Any of the emergency services. And this was, this was that whole thing where people were like, oh, I can, you can't tell me not to go out in the backcountry hunting because of so it's not To be blunt, dude, it's not about you yeah. in some ways. Yeah. But if you have an accident and you have to yep. pull those emergency services out, yep. now they're all exposed. Yep. Time and it just complicates that way there. Yeah. So even
1: now when a big trauma comes in, if you can't talk to the patient with an accident or whatever, we full PPE up and yep. release us because what we find is there's a lot of people that are doing, doing this stupid stuff on meth these days because right. meth is rampant yep. and these aren't typically the people that are going to obey quarantine type rules yeah, yeah, yeah. so if there's any population in New Zealand that's probably hiding with some asymptomatic COVID it's like these people are going to be yep. yeah, because they didn't behave during the lockdown Yeah, yeah. so know? why would it yeah. yeah, these unfortunate people that just have normal accidents but we still top you, know, yeah. if you can't talk to them, you can't screen them. You have to. It just delays everything.
0: So, uh, I mean, talk more then about the, like you're saying, you're seeing more trauma or more emergencies in Auckland than you were even on military. I mean, what sort of stuff are you talking about? You, it, it's another thing that prompted me originally, tucked away, I, I need to come back and talk to this guy. You said you were just sort of getting sick and tired of what, particularly blokes, were doing to themselves and getting themselves into these emergency <laughs> services at all times of night. You know, and I, I just caught. Like you get exposed to Yeah All the bad decisions (laughs) Yeah well suppose Yeah like you say In the military You've got young Fit healthy people Generally
1: Good physiology You know If they're going out And doing stuff You know It's regulated Somebody's planned it You know Trauma and stuff You know Happens by accident Yeah And major major trauma Is fairly rare Mm. You know So you've got medics That are trained in trauma A lot of them Like sort of over on um, Animal models Or Yep. you know, plasticine models and that. Who get taught these skills, but they never really get to use them in real mm. life. So that was probably the comment I was making about
0: cutting on something that yeah, yeah. you know did because yep. you know, usually <laughs> we're doing it on live things, you know. But that's how we had a vet out once to one of yeah. those courses as well. She had a similar thing. Is like, yeah, it's like once we would had of the guts and everything, I'm like, you reckon we can bring her back from this one, doc? <laughs> like, no, nah. I think at this point we would have called it yeah. a while ago. So the medics will practice on that sort of stuff, yeah. you know, and then
1: when you yeah. have a you know, some of them, when you when, they, when the real shit hits the fan, through no fault of their own, I guess they're not prepared because they haven't cut yeah. into living flesh. Living flesh is a bit different. Yeah. And you've got to get over that mindset of, you know, I'm cutting into something that's alive. Yeah. It's going to move, it's going to bleed, it's going to, yeah. you know. And, you know, you don't just sort of stab with the knife. You know, you've got to...
0: Well, yeah, that's the, yeah, and that's the mindset from a hunter yeah. who's used to processing an animal. It's dead, and we're not making it any worse. Yeah. I mean, that's what we say to people. It's like, well, look, you're not going to kill it anymore. It's dead already. It's dead. Yeah. Because yeah. there's yeah. an interesting point for you. It's, yeah, not only they alive, but your intent is to keep yeah. them that way as well. Yeah. And I mean, stupid stuff. I like people, to a certain extent, that go out and do stupid stuff. If it's
1: well-intentioned <laughs> stupid stuff that's fun and they have an accident, you know? Sure. Like, you know, when people come in off their skateboards or something, and they go, oh, I was doing this and doing it. It's like, how big a flip were you doing and stuff? And, like, you know, because you've got to go out and enjoy life. And, yeah. But what pisses you off is people going out and doing stupid shit like, you know, just the common stuff, you know, drank a lot of piss, taking a lot of drugs, gone out, crashed the car, gone out, done this sort of stuff. And it's not just a fact that, you know, it pisses you off because it's what they, you know, they quite often get off lucky. Mm. horrendously lucky you know you'd be amazed Mm. at what some cars look like and people are alive but it's just you know what they do to other people and stuff you know it's just yeah and on the weekends you know it's just the amount of you know alcohol and drug sort of aggro and aggression towards you know nursing staff and doctors Mm. and stuff and people punching each other or trying to punch staff or stuff like that you know it's just that what really pisses you
0: well, I hate. guess that's the, the hard thing for people to fathom, is that not only have you got somebody who's had an accident that needs you to help, but they're possibly also combative. Oh, because yeah. either unintentionally intentionally, or because their mental mind, you are, yeah, they don't see necessarily that you're helping them. I mean, you don't have cases where they literally don't want you to help them, though. Yeah, or you is still it just do. A, you
1: have people that, like, even if you are helping them, they don't care, because, I mean...
0: Unfortunately, there are
1: some pretty nasty people out there. Yeah, and we get some nasty people, and even when you know that have been involved in quite sort of you know they've got off lucky, and it may have been like you know gunshot injuries or stab injuries mm. or what, but they're a known bad person with quite criminal drug record or whatever. If they can get out of the hospital, they'll do a runner. Yep. If they know that, you know, hey, they've survived this, right. but shit, they may be sort. It's not the best treatment to do leave hospital. They will do a runner. Mm. You know, and we won't keep them if they're not under arrest. And if you know, if they're in their right mind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're actually in your right mind, we you know we're not gonna force you, mm. You know, as long as you realise that, you know something really bad could happen. Obviously if they're gonna potentially die, then we it gets a bit complicated, but Yeah. You know, but yeah. But stuff when people just do yeah stupid shit because they just haven't been trained properly or learnt stuff properly, that's just a bit annoying. Mm. Yeah, if you're going to do stupid stuff where you know, you're know you having fun, well, yeah, fair enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have, you, have you noticed a shift? It just, I was listening to a radio show, I think it was Radio New Zealand, and there was a, some study that's come through where they've found that, that youth binge drinking seems to have gone down whereas the middle we'll call it middle-aged or that that has not, probably increased a bit so have you noticed sort of a shift in the age of people coming through or does it seem pretty consistent that it's the teenagers mm. build new cars it was just an interesting find for me because i grew up where like all my mates were binge drinking yeah. and everything and i for various reasons mainly upbringing i was not necessarily part of it but i was certainly surrounded by it and yeah it was interesting to find these the recent findings they they seem to feel that, that that has decreased as part of the culture. But of course, all those people that we've been drinking and now just moved into a slightly age, older age group. So I suppose, you yeah, probably middle age is probably still the most sort of
1: alcohol-type stuff you get. Yeah. Like, you know, alcoholics or people with alcohol-related injury. You know, you get a few really old alcoholics and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, but I suppose most of them have, you know, unfortunately they've done themselves in earlier. yeah. Um, But, yeah, young people, you don't get too many. You get sort of more what we would have, like, in the old days, we probably would have looked after people yourself. You know, you you went out binge drinking or whatever and you had a good time. Your mate, if they combed out early, you carried them with you from pub to pub or, like, yo, to flat, to flat, you know, back in the days as a student. You didn't leave them at home by themselves. But now there's sort of like, I don't know, in Auckland anyhow, there's a sort of this a-copic society where, one – people's mates obviously aren't that good anymore because they'll just leave them mm. you know they'll leave them for the ambulance
0: you know it's fun, it's i remember like years like i said years ago i was, I was in the nightclub the, the the dj scene and everything yeah. like that and i remember a good friend of mine pointing that out to me as well as you'd walk down queen street and there would be people by themselves on the side yeah. of the road and it would have been drug related probably more than alcohol but it was all pointing out to us we're like yeah would we leave any of the lads no. or the ladies yeah. like in that situation it's like no and I do remember sitting up with people was basically come down yeah. helping them just keeping an eye on them keeping them awake uh, with a water pistol in one case <laughs> is, well you know that was yeah. simply it yeah, it's but like you, you're not going to sleep yeah, buddy I you looked not after your mate so. yeah, yeah. but these days it's just like you
1: know you, people wake up you know after they've sobered up a bit, like the young ones, because you just leave you leave them there just yeah. to sober up, and you're like, "Where's your mates? Who'd you go out with? Oh, I went out with you know, just what, what they just left you. Mm. You know, pick some better friends, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or parents actually bringing in their kids because they're they're drunk, and it's like, yep, they're drunk, but they're not that drunk. Yeah. And you could have watched your own kids at home, you know. It's like whether it's just a lack of understanding, or there's all these worried these days about people are gonna. You know how to do so. I mean, yeah. this is the
0: thing: you don't have a magic pill to sober somebody up. No. Really, you're just gonna, like, say, put them. They take up space, yep. and you let them sober out. Yeah, you just chuck them. You know,
1: you don't chuck them in a corner, but you chuck them in a room. You know, we take an alcohol level to see how high it is. Yeah, because then a couple of reasons that gives us no an idea how long it's going to take, and also, like, you know, if they're behaving drunk and the alcohol level is zero, then they you know yep. something's has gone on. But if they've got no signs of trauma and stuff, then you literally, they sort of, you know, they get watched, they get put in a bed, mm. and they take up a space. And, like, over the weekend, you take up more spaces and more spaces and yep. more spaces. And then, you know, nurses have to watch them and stuff. And
0: Well, again, it's drawing, drawing resources away oh, yeah. from the actual trauma, the actual high levels of yep. injuries and, that you need to deal with. And
1: some of the young people, like, you know, just don't know how to behave these days, and they'll wake and they'll abuse nurses or they'll be, you know... Mm. And then they'll be really surprised when security comes in or the police come in, you know, yeah. it's just like... We're starting to just get a bit fed up of it, really.
0: Do you, uh, I guess, being in the position you're in, are you aware of or are you cautious about... And, and there's a few police I've talked to a similar thing, is that you do, I think, are sometimes in danger of just seeing some of the worst of society or the worst of, you know, all those accidents and those people's being abusive to the health, you know? Is it something, something that you kind of have to guard yourself against, or do you...? Yeah, I think... Everybody does it after a while. When it comes to emergency medicine, I think
1: like people either like it, yeah, or they learn to cope with it, or they move on right. after a few years because yeah, it can get to you. Because I mean, there's only so many times in a shift that you can be called a cunt or something yeah. before it really Grates yeah, yeah, on you. Yeah. And I mean, it does happen. Like people, you know, There was one week you went for a shift. It was like, well, yeah, you know, I haven't not been abused by somebody this shift. Yeah, you know, and security numbers have to be bumped up in the hospital you know, some weeks you go through where, like, people have actually tried to physically assault you, you mm. know,
0: it's just like, well... Yeah, well, If you can't handle that, people move on. Yeah, well, you'd, you would have to, otherwise you could become a... Well, yeah. very dark about it, I suppose. Yeah. I so the, you do see the
1: worst of society, and then you see some of the best, like, you see some really nice people, but it's just that element takes your time away from, you know, dealing with the poor, like, you know, 80-year-old lady that's fallen over and broken her hip, yeah. who you want to get in, see pain relief do all that sort of stuff to make sure she's okay like Mm -hmm. why did she fall you know all this sort of stuff but you start dealing with the loud obnoxious abusing everybody you've got to think like shit is it just alcohol or because he's been punched in the head because he's been obviously a wanker out in the street yeah has he got a significant head injury underlying that as well yeah and then it's like do I have to sedate the person to scan them can I just hold them watch them wait yeah or if they're being violent and threatening staff, can I get the police to take them? And it's quite risky. Mm. So it's like the police, you always go on the cautious side. Yeah. And at times, you know, physical restraint is hard in the emergency department. It's not safe. Yeah. So we use drugs. Yeah. And then it fills up your department though, because you drug somebody out so that they're calm and you can scan their head to make sure they've not had a significant injury. comes back negative, they've just been a prick. Yeah. But then now they've taken up a bed for the night because yep. you've sedated them.
0: Yep. So and, you like, an eye, you, and you have to you can't keep night. You have to keep out. You
1: can't tear them out. Yep, you know. <laughs> so yeah, that sort of stuff like alcohol is by far the worst drug that we have in the country in terms of giving us work. Yeah, booze. <laughs> you know, they can talk about anything else. You know, and all that. You know, legalise or decriminalise marijuana. It's like I never see heaps of stoners coming in demanding munchies at three in the morning. You know, <laughs> it's not. Normal. It's not I'm I'm just really really hungry and I really think I need to understand
0: why I'm so sleepy and hungry at the same time you know (laughs) and I really love all you guys yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know it'd be quite it'd be quite quite nice almost hugs all around (laughs) maybe timing would be bad but would you but would you say that including meth meth's really bad I mean that's the the yeah yeah so meth
1: most people that take meth and stuff stay away um, it's just when they're involved in either right. crime, trauma, where they've had other accidents, that's when they come yeah. meth. And that's on the rise. And meth is nasty.
0: Well, that, that's the... Um, uh, you were saying earlier as well, and you're noticing just a steady increase on that, yep. and, and therefore also the, the violent yep. crime that's coming in, I suppose, which yep. is related to it. Yes, yeah, so I think violent crime jumped up when the city's lockdown
1: went to level one yeah. So I think and it sort of correlates, I think there was no sort of drugs coming into the country and there was poor quality drugs and meth and stuff. So things sort of quietened down. Then obviously restrictions lifted up, supply came in, gangs or whatever fighting over yeah. meth. Cops have seen increased stuff. We got a massive increase, which would be interesting to see when they go back and do the stats of how big it is mm-hmm. in violence and like, you know, stabbings and shootings. And it's so like if you were lucky enough to see a shooting you know, an emergency a couple of times a year previous like a few years back. Yeah. You'd be lucky. Well, yep. you know what I mean, to see trauma. But now at the moment, like I've seen like three in the past couple of weeks. Mm. you know. <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah. like and it's still and you've seen quite a lot of significant stabbings as well. And it's just like, what the f-
0: is going on out there, eh? This is possibly a strange detail, but I think you might know enough about me that this is why I've got an interest. With the shootings do you know are they large calibre are they 22s are they it's well that's not, the thing it's it's a, most of them
1: are, are, are small calibre yeah. yeah 22 type yeah. rounds and um, some of the young emergency doctors and other doctors from the surgical services and stuff aren't used to seeing blood yep. wounds so they don't they sort of learn stuff but they've never seen a lot so they don't understand the old things about you know little hole big trouble or like you know how there should be two holes or yep. you add up to even numbers and stuff and the fact that there's not an exit you know, wound learn can be quite bad. It's worry
0: when you, you're having yeah. to,
1: yeah. You know, yeah. and it's just like, because people, like 22s can do big damage because they just don't, like you know, they just don't come out. Yeah. So you don't know where they've gone. They bounce around off bones and yep. can end up in places of least resistance, which at this time is not a good spot to be, you yeah. know. And you can get significant injuries from them where people looking from the outside who don't know about these sort of things will think, oh, this other person's more significant. We'll go to that one. Mm. Yeah, because if you get three gunshots or two gunshots in one hospital in New Zealand at the same time, that's a lot of resources. Yeah. But they'll go to the one maybe who's yelling screaming more with more blood where the one with the tiny little hole entry wound with no exit wound is probably yeah. the more, yeah,
0: yeah, it's, it's just more the lack of, they of, don't yeah.
1: understand because they don't. Yeah, being in you know
0: service or being hunting or stuff like that mm. because it's not what they see a lot of. Well, that's the thing. I think anybody who hunts appreciate, or like say service or, yeah. or a civilian in my case that hunts, you see what happens to an animal. You get very aware yeah. of what even the smaller projectiles can do. I mean, I guess my interest on it as well is that there, there's all the a lot lot going on with firearms. There always is, and in, in particularly at this point in time. But I, I think there's a lot more of the twenty twos. Yep. Probably out there in, in misuse as well yeah. because of access and just yeah. how many there are yeah. and So twenty twos inverted.
1: you know. Twenty twos so. and shotguns more. Yeah. Yep. You know, big caliber hunting rifles. Yeah. Well I haven't seen one in Auckland hospital.
0: No, I don't know. I mean I, I know somebody years ago they had a um, um, a fifty cal stolen. And there's, <laughs> yeah, I know. So the, there is a backstory which I won't go into. Yeah. Actually, He's probably another good guy I could I get down for a chat as well. But um, fifty cow was stolen. But then they the the police already were like, well, look, we're not worried. It's going to turn up and somebody using it to to roll a dairy or something with yeah. a fifty cow. It's already been broken down and sold and going out overseas and was probably stolen to order and all sorts of mm-hmm. things because of the nature of what it was. Um, but yeah, it's the same thing. It is. It's just the real simple. Firearms that have been yeah. stolen, appropriate, whatever yeah. it is that
1: yeah. does it. All the ones before everything got pretty tight, you know, like how many how many farmers do you know or what, when you were growing up they had about 20 guns just in the back, you know, in the cupboard? Yeah. Behind, the, well,
0: behind the door, yeah. yeah behind, the behind the door, the cupboard. And I occasionally still talk to somebody who's like, yeah, we keep one there just handy in case a pest comes up. And it's like, I get the thinking, <laughs> but... Uh, the pro- the problem is, is, yeah, that's the, especially in a farm situation where yeah. there's no one around and someone just drives yeah. up the, the driveway as an opportunist and, oh, yeah. look, there's a 22. We'll and a lot of down. them
1: aren't, you know, registered. They don't keep a track exactly of what yeah. they've got. I mean, we had mates when we were growing up, you know, they had six boys. Mm. So you imagine how many firearms they had around the house. yeah. And they used to pull out all ones from like different when they were growing up and stuff and like, you know, and then make their own rounds and stuff. So if somebody broke in there and took those, you know, God knows where they'd end up in New Zealand mm. or what they'd be chopped down to or well, used as. that's, their, that's the know.
0: thing. I, it's a running, well, we'll call it a running joke, but the, the disabled firearms I have for the licensing, I've got a double-barreled side-by-side, but yep. it's got like a full-length barrel. And I tell people this is obviously not evidence or it's not been taken from a crime or something because it would not have a full-length barrel and <laughs> it. it would have been chopped down just longer than the stock and the rear it would have been cut off and it would have been yeah. butchered you know this is a, a, a state or something like that um, but you do you just see some of the stuff that's that turns up in photos from the police or stuff that's been recovered or used in a crime and you look at it and you're like Ooh, there's no way I would want to be knowing what's going there's no way i want to be shooting that thing no, for yeah. my own health but <laughs> again the people who are using these are not thinking the same way as a a licensed you know firearm owner for I think it, I saw so. one on the
1: news it was actually on the news so they've showed the picture of it where they pulled some firearm that had been waved at cops or whatever and it looked like somebody had chopped down a bolt-action rifle into a pistol and
0: done it up with duct tape, is what it looked like on the TV. I was like, what the hell? Well, and there was also the thing is, which is, uh, I I have asked a few people about it, and it's it's an interesting one, and the, the laws have been changed now, but there was also a lot of the replica Uh, firearms which are either uh, blank pistol shooters and stuff like that that are being tried to be converted and again those ones scare me because they're made out of junk metal that they're more likely to blow someone's hand off than they are about to actually but a lot of it I think is the threat of not necessarily the actual injury for people um Yeah, but that's I still think that'll be something because often I say there's there's been a firearm presented at a police and I have a conversation with somebody, like, yeah, but they might be a blank. It's like, well, yeah, a police officer is going to react the same way whether it's a blank or... And particularly with people who don't know firearms, this is it. Or a cop who's... A lot of cops don't... They're not traditionally been presented with firearms every single day yeah. and they're not going to look at it and go well that's a blank so I need to treat it differently yeah. you're going to get treated exactly the same yeah. way and to be
1: fair a lot of the young cops probably don't get excessively large amounts of time with no. firearms I mean they all get give like glocks and stuff like that but how many times I mean, do they go down to the range frequently yeah. and fire those or not? You know, I put my money on a soldier having a far better understanding of weapons and a better shot Yep the of the cops, at least they're in that sort of special specialist area Especially
0: of police the STG or the yeah. armed defenders or they have an interest in firearms yep. and this Outside. is something I think I talked to you about as well, is like in, before I started meeting police and military guys, I think a lot of civilians, we'll call them, myself included mm. have the assumption that if you're in the army you must be a gun person <laughs> or not the police so much, but certainly yeah. the army oh you joined it because you must love to shoot guns yeah. but I've also met plenty of guys who wanted a career yeah. needed a career mm-hmm. and th- that was either one of the few options they knew they could have or, you know, like the training and other yeah. things, but they're not gun people. Yeah.
1: Like I've got, um, you know, these people that I know who, like, who kids are going in for a trade and stuff and yeah. they're not interested in guns and when I was in there there'd be a lot of people that, you know, they'd be like, there's a free slot at the range, who wants to go? Nobody would put their hand up because yeah. they're just not interested. Yeah. Well, there's other people that are quite keen and yeah. quite often it's just for the time out in the open and the skill involved mm-hmm. in it and the fact that you learn. Like I learnt so much more about firearms and the military because I was interested, yep. which is what got me into the hunting when I yep. got out. Like I wanted to get my license and stuff. Then, you know, then I would have known beforehand. Mm. And it was just you know the skills, especially I suppose pre deployment, that you, know, you got really good instructors then yep. talking to you about like you know body position, you know breathing, all that sort of stuff. And I found it was actually a lot more technical than just pointing the barrel at something and you know, hoping yep. that you hit it. You know, yep. there was all these technical aspects, you know, about your entire body about lining up and shooting. Mm. And that was quite interesting to me. So I found that, you know, whenever there was like, hey, there's a free spot on the shoot, do you want to come along, Doc? It was like, yeah, I'll put my hand up. Yeah. And I got a lot of shooting
0: time <laughs> with a lot of various weapons, which was which like became very obvious when you came out and picked up your <laughs> rifle, you got off me and started shooting, Yeah, okay, yeah, this is you've shot quite a bit. Yeah, right, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, different sort of calibers
1: <laughs> that you're never ever gonna use again. But it was it was fun and it was interesting and yep. it was all useful
0: stuff. Well I try and relate to people like especially, you know, I was doing the, the licensing, firearms license, of people coming doing um, the 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 practical component of their licensing. It's like you guys, if you want to do this, you you need to learn your tool. And that doesn't just mean you get a gun, you go down to the range, you zero it good enough, and then once a year you go out hunting with yeah. it. That's not a level of competency no. that you'd almost accept for anything work related or anything else yeah. but yet for, for and the irony is and, and now we're actually in that case we're um taking life with it there's actually an yeah. ethical thing in there as well it's like learn your tools and and not just shooting but the function how's the safety work how does the magazine drop out how do you unload these rounds that's <laughs> the good thing
1: about hunting with um the fellas down in like tight affinity and stuff you know because they shoot for for meat so I fly down there whatever I shoot stays down there and Mm. and they divvy it up and stuff but they shoot for meat so they're quite strict about like for a start you know if you're one of those guys that shoots and wounds animals and that they'll tell you to fuck off after a while you know and preferably they'll do headshots and stuff as well if it's close enough because they want meat you know don't want to spoil the meat and stuff and it's quite good you know hunting with them to them it's like this is it's a skill Mm. and they're doing it to feed their family you know so
0: well, it's, I, I wonder if part of it is also exposure. Like, if you don't have that yeah. group of people around you, and, and particularly in Auckland, like, I, yeah. I tell people to look around at the people applying for these licences, and it is such a smorgasbord. It's like the UN of firearms owners, which is a intentionally <laughs> weird, it's yeah. an intentionally weird juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah. No, but get it. but yeah. you get it. It's, it's all, all backgrounds and all sorts yeah. of things. So there is people there who won't have come from necessarily a hunting background or have access yeah. to it, and therefore they're not exposed to... And some of them probably do have groups of people around them that don't necessarily have that high standard or expectation of either the safety or the accuracy and the ethical considerations yeah. with it. And I mean, there's always it doesn't always work. Hunting is a, a, a messy business, so it's not always going to be perfect. And you are going to occasionally injure animals, yeah. and th- it happens. But you, you're right, there is people still out there with the intent. They're just shooting at an animal. Yeah. And that's about as far as they're thinking. They haven't gone further and gone, no, to do this properly for meat saving or to dispatch it quickly. Yeah. And I, I still, a guy, a taxidermist I know, which I, another person I'm going to go down and have a chat about, he estimates that over 50% of the animals he gets in the shot in the guts. Yeah. And that's yeah. It's, that's a scary number. Yeah. Well, that's the whole reason why Like I sort of did,
1: you know, I thought about it for a little bit when I got out, and then I... Went to the, the Bangalore hunting, like the skinny top yep. of their foot. Like before, I learned how to shoot an animal stuff. You know, you males will learn how to skin it properly first. Yep. And to, and I knew I had a I had an idea in my head because mm. all mammals are sort of the same. You, know, you had an idea <laughs> in your, your head how <laughs> yeah. to do it, but I wanted to sort of learn how to do it properly. And then yep. when I hunting down Gisborne with these guys, they had other ways of doing it. Yeah, you know, because like quicker ways and other different sort of techniques yep. they lose. But you want to learn that stuff because in the end, you know, shooting something depending on how close it is or how good a shot you are is pretty much the easy part mm. but you, all the other stuff like you as the that's the work that's the work that's yeah. when the work begins you pull the trigger sweet hit it and then yep. you've got to go get it gut it carry it out yep. <laughs> yeah. that's the you want to learn how to do that properly and these I'm lucky like you say because in Auckland you don't get a lot of opportunity for that so I'm lucky that I've got those fellas mm. down there that you know you learn heaps
0: it's just getting enough time off work to go down and well know, I've got got some guys booking in some hunting courses where I'm now going to start adding, because I've realised it's a gap, is adding in uh, reading a map and some basic, basic first aid. And I'm not going to claim by any means to be the person teaching first aid, but I can at least go, here's the basic, here's a taster, and go and get some extra training and some professional training on it, because you need it, whether you're thinking it. But hopefully just sparking that realisation in people that, oh yeah, there's actually more to this than shooting a gun. Yeah, so, so we got talking on the first week and you know, I went down there because like, we're just all staying
1: in the hut and stuff together and it's just like, well, these guys are teaching me all this sort of stuff about you know hunting and stalking and stuff. And they were looking at my bag, looking at my kit that I pull out because like you say, I carry a medical kit everywhere. I mm. even have one, like a basic one, in my everyday bag when I walk around town. Yeah. Because you'd be surprised how many times you get pulled over for stuff. And so I pulled out my stuff and then I'd explain it to them and then the next time I went down, like, I gave them some stuff and it's just basic stuff I said look this is This is all that you're At this stage This is all you can use Yeah I can teach you Some other stuff And they were asking about All the flashy type stuff It's just like But you will never do this Yeah You know I'd probably do it If I was with you fellas Like you know, As a large this resort, Or whatever you know But you mm-hmm. guys won't do it Yeah But if you're keen Sometime you know You can come up to work And hang out with me And we'll see about it You mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. But um Because none of them Were really carrying a Basic kit
0: well same thing I mean I've started I did the. I did a, a course of Simon from PracMed who I just give lots of props because he's a guy out there pushing this whole story of people need the training need the gear from a workplace through yeah. to hunting the whole it doesn't really matter you know it's like when, when I was working at a fabrication company if a guy takes a finger off or crushes something in a press well, the the first aid kit in most workplaces is not going to help. It's not going to be <laughs> yeah, shit. You're probably a couple of sticky plasters with like Mickey yeah, Mouse on them or yeah, something. Well, yeah. <laughs> what is it? It's not going to help. The guy's just mm-hmm. lost like a... He's going to lose a limb. And I've never really... I've never really talked to my mother through WorkSafe and stuff whether there was any figures on whether that advanced training... Like how many fatalities might have been helped by people having more training than oh we've got to call an ambulance um but so so yeah i started carrying first aid kits trauma kits as well i've got you know this this is also where that's like crossover into pulling stuff which i get a bit of stick from but it's just the most practical is pulling some of the tactical or the military stuff over for hunting where now i wear basically a battle belt for lack of a better description, which has got a trauma kit and my PLB and the radio and everything yep. on it. That's exactly what I've got as well. I just
1: have like the and people I hunt with, like my brother and stuff, we all have on our belts, you know, you have your hunting knife, you have your radio, you have all that sort of stuff, and we all have a basic kit it's not big, it's just yeah. tiny and then if I go out with them like in the group or whatever then maybe on the quad I'd have a more extensive kit Yeah. and then back at the hunt I even have a bigger extensive kit which is all that sort of minor stuff because I know the guys will, you know, accidents happen Yeah. yeah. and I just tell them it's like, you know, <laughs> if you get a big cut and it's not life threatening they're probably just going to want to stay out hunting and I yep. just, you know, I've got a skin stapler it's just like, just pull it together, staple it and then later on when we get out, we give, you know, give it a wash for a yeah. staple up. Later on when we get out, we'll go do proper, <laughs> you know, <laughs> patch it up. Yeah, but cause yep. antibiotics and stuff like that these days and problem washouts and stuff are pretty good, you know. If you really want to stay in there for some stuff, what you're going to do is just close it up, yep. roughly. I mean, these guys don't give a shit what they look like. Yeah. It's like, you know, chicks dig scars and throw scars, you know? yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Which is, if people want to, that's a great Instagram uh, page as well. That guy's, yeah. a, um, the hardest hard thing is to stop these funnels from using
1: like the staplers sometimes on their dogs, eh, Yes, you know? yeah, because yeah. they use them to patch up their dogs, yeah, which yeah. works well,
0: you know? <laughs> like, hey, have you got any more of those staplers? And it's like, <laughs> buy your own, man, <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much. I love you, thank you. So, from f- in regards to that, then, I mean, what is uh, and I've uh, heard you don't need to go on too much. But, I mean, what is the bare minimum you suggest? would suggest a guy wants in a first aid or a trauma kit if he's going out? Yeah, I suppose it depends on how much they think they could do Yeah, and what they can do and how keen
1: they are. Because I always judge it by that. So, you know, it's no point teaching guys stuff or giving guys stuff if they're not the sort of person who's interested or who could do it or want to do it. Yep. But I think, like, the bare minimum, you know, if you're going out hunting is a tourniquet. Um, and what they call like an Israeli bandage. Yep. You can see yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I reckon they're great yeah, for yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff. And you know, that covers a lot and mm. it's pretty simple stuff to do. And then probably some basic oral pain relief water and decent times, you know? Yeah. And I do tell people they should carry some gloves yep. these days. And then usually I build up from there depending on what they say
0: they'd be prepared to do.
1: You know, well, gloves glove like is know. an
0: interesting one as well from the from the first aid of other people 's blood or your own, but also and people are whatever but it 's also quite useful if you 're out in a bush and you don 't have access to a lot of water they 're also quite useful to put on when you are skinning or gutting an animal because mm-hmm. then when you 're finished and you 've got stuff over your hands. Yeah pull off and you don't need to go through a huge amount of water or mm. anything to clean it or have you, you know. watched Stink for Days like the last time I went out <laughs> I didn't think
1: about it I had like my garment on with like you know like the silicone strap yeah, yeah. and I forgot about it and like obviously gutting the animals and stuff and I gut most of them with my brother's shoots and stuff where he tries to get me because I need to practice more <laughs> you know so gutting it and just forgetting completely that you had your watch strap I got yep. back to work because it was a short turnaround everyone's like what's that
0: what's, what's that smell? And smell I was
1: just like yeah, oh, fuck, it's me actually. It's you not really <laughs> the smell I want in this environment. <laughs> it's like, it smells like dead guts and assholes. I was like,
0: yeah. well, yeah, that's, that's exactly what it was. Know. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. It's just a basic, but yeah, I'd agree as well. Gloves for, for your own uh, hygiene, for the hygiene of others as well, and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. It's just like, and that's like, uh, yeah, okay, blood on the fingernails. I don't know. You call it a rite of passage if you want, but yeah. I, I don't, you know, I'm happy to not have my hands stinking for an entire trip. And then I, um, Depending on, like, you know, the skill that people have, like,
1: sometimes, like, you know, some of those sort of rapid decompression needles yep. and some um, hyphens. Hyphens? Uh, so, like, super sticky. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, cover the shot front and the yep. exit and then make a hole. I, I just know I'm a chest yeah. yeah Yeah, so you have chest so yeah. you do those, or, like, for me, like, I prefer, and I like, well, tell them, is like, well, actually, you've probably got more success if you're comfortable with making a cut. Right. Because everybody carries a knife and then yep. you just putting your gloves on and then you can sweep with a finger through the chest, you know. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. And that's way more better because there's plenty of um, autopsy studies on failed mm. needle decompressions, you yep. know. Yep. Hunters are tenderly like, you know, got a bit of meat on their bones. <laughs>
0: you know, people panic and they kink them or they... I'm Sorry, I'm just reminded of a, a truly bizarre story I was once told by an arms officer and I haven't fact-checked them because you're just like, You've got to be kidding me. But he was genuine, and I've got no reason. To do. He was talking about a um, fatality they had that the guy knocked on the, it's a good urban myth, if nothing else, knocked on the door of the police station, rural myth, I should say, knocked on the door of the police station saying there's been a fatality. The guy's One of our mates has been shot, and the guy's like, OK, well, where is he?" He's like, oh, I've got him in the back of the truck. And they wandered down, and, and Hunter being hunted, the guy reckoned, Bear with me, that the guy had been gutted because the guy had had to carry him out and thought the only way he was going to be able to do that was gut him and process him like an animal. Oh, And he's just like, at that point, I'm like, you have got to be kidding. He's like, I'm, I wish I was. So I don't know whether that's maybe someone can chime in and go confirm that one. I don't know. It's, it's a, one of the best stories I've ever heard. A, sounds so like so I, don't I don't want to hunt with that dude. As oh, well, no, because <laughs> he's not quite right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to have to gut you out. You, you, yeah, I know. That would have been an interesting conversation yeah. afterwards. like, what? But anyway. And so, that's about the
1: extent that I take most people because at least with the finger thing you know like when it, the pressure builds up again you can just put your finger back in and swipe it again but yeah. you can't do it with the nail Yeah. and that's literally the most I take most people unless they want to go further Well, basic I, wound it, hemostasis and that's it really and,
0: and I think the big thing for the training as well is, is knowing what to do and also having a little bit of confidence of the ability yeah. to do it that's the big thing is if somebody sees a big amount of blood or something yeah. which is a messy looking wound if you've had some training you at least go this is out of my comfort zone but at least to have an idea of yeah. what I need to be doing and can take some action. Yeah. those are the thing is
1: most hunters as well, like if you're not just like, a, you know, some mupper that's going out there for a shoot, yeah. have an understanding of anatomy yeah, because you got animals and stuff. Yep. And you know, like A, if something's big and red and squirty and pumpy, you know, if you've got some gloves on, just put your fucking finger on it. Yeah. And the less that you have between the big squirty thing and your finger, the better because you know you've got control Actual on it and you've got it. pressure on it yeah. and if that's all you can do and it stops the bleeding because it's somewhere that you can't put a tourniquet on yeah. but you can put your finger on it, then just do that and you'll mm. save your mate's yeah. life that way, you know, you don't have to get fancy Yeah. It can be and others understand Everybody. blood vessels and understand blood, it's just yeah. like you say, you've got to have the mindset to do it mm. and it's the same thing with uh, young doctors in emergency and in trauma, they've got to have the mindset to do it Yep. but they know they've got all the training to the wazoo you know you think about doctors, they've got the anatomy to the mm. wazoo they've got the training Yo, know, the most you'd want but some of them it's just like you know deer in the headlamps you know they just freeze Yep, and that's when you know there's plenty of studies with people with airway trauma and it's just they needed somebody to cut their throat to do a crike you know they mm. just needed somebody to do that and the person there with the skills has just ummed and a bit too long and delayed because they think like that's what they need but is someone going to tell me off if I do it? Or is yep. somebody going to, if I do it and they die, is somebody going to blame me and that? It's just like, just do it. Yeah, And that's the same thing with
0: anything. People just got to have that mindset to do it. And probably hunters are probably better. I don't it's know. Possible. Yeah, I sort of say to people, it's like a, there's, you've got to go do something because if you work from the, the the perspective that they are dying, and they will very shortly be Can't dead. More dead. So that's yeah, exactly. If you don't do anything, it's one way you can guarantee they yeah. are dead. But at least if you've got yourself some training and you're going to go give that the best go that you can, yeah. it's one you at least know. If, even if it's not success, at least you know that you tried. You didn't yeah. stand there and look at it, um, mm. and you were able to try some action. And this is, but this is, I don't know. I've never been in that specific situation. Yeah. I've had to test myself for it. And, 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 you know, it is one of the
1: most controversial things. In, in medicine you know was the old opening somebody's chest and trauma you know mm. for penetrating injuries and stuff because yep. it's like survival rates are so low yeah you know and there's all these arguments about should you do it shouldn't you do it distressing the people you've got to do it within these sort of time frames and stuff like that and yeah you know, I've been involved in doing it unfortunately quite a few times now but it's just like the person's not going to get more dead mm. you know Yes, it is quite disturbing to some people in that, but more to you if you're doing it. Yeah. yeah. But you know, you've got that chance. It may only be like you know less than ten percent, mm. but ten percent is better than it's zero. Better than yeah. You know, and if you're in an actual hospital, which is you know was the only time I'd do it. If you're in a hospital, then like you know, if you can actually stop the bleeding and save life, you're there where somebody can fix it. Mm. Like you'd never do it in a hunting situation because. What are you going to do then? The what after are you going to do season? then? Aftercare is yeah. not existent. Yeah. It's not existent. Yeah. But like if you're in a hospital, that ten percent chance, ten percent chance. You know, but you just got to live with the fact afterwards that you know you may have to deal with the consequences because somebody will praise you for giving it a go. Yeah. Some people will be distressed, and other people who like sitting on the couches and not actually taking part will criticise you for it. Yeah. And just say, why did you do that? There was no indication. Blah blah. I've read this that says that you know and in the end you've just got to be the sort of person to turn around and say well you can just fuck off because yeah. you weren't there Yeah. but yeah it's just like got to have that mindset but with your firearms license you're involved in stuff why don't they just everybody that has to go for a firearms license why isn't there a basic hunting or hunting focused sort of first aid involved mm. with getting your license at the same time yep. hey you have to sit a practical firearms test but well, here's a test for you sitting about what to do if yeah. you're do something well, you look, at, you look at
0: models overseas as well as they almost split the the hunting license and a firearms license into different oh, yeah. things. So stateside, for example, you go, if you want to get hunting tags and stuff like that, there's yep. nearly a week-long course. You have to awesome. almost do the equivalent of what the deer stalkers would have in their hunts program, okay. which is some first aid, which is land nav, which is understanding legal requirements about hunting, You know yep. where we can hunt, what we can hunt with and everything, which is it's not covered in the firearms license so i guess my you're right i I, part of me goes yes that should be a component or at least it should be a component if people want to get the firearms license go hunting because we also have plenty of people in auckland who are target shooting so they've got no intent um Mm -hmm. on ever going hunting but if you want to go out and hunt then because this is the thing we know that people are more likely to get hunters are more likely to get into mischief with um, trips, sprains, falls, stuff like that or they're going to get lost and then yeah. pull in Landsar rather than shooting you know, mm. the, the firearms is just part of it um, so yeah I mean I, there's there's organisations who provide it but it's not a requirement yeah. so I guess it's a number it's also a numbers game of how much is the cost of search and rescue going out getting these guys versus tramp you know because you true. could say the same thing for trampers well before someone goes tramping should they really know oh, how to read a don't map don't give me those ones Jesus <laughs> I mean I must feel so sorry for the land search
1: and rescue or stuff and like you know done Tongariro and stuff like that. I mean, I mean, all the Muppets that they get yeah. know,
0: walking around there in jandals and shorts and those jaggers and... I've walked okay. Tongariro and there's a dude rushing up with shorts or, or the, um, when we were at um, Mueller Hut, which is yeah. an Alpine hut, right? Yeah, yeah, and people yeah. turn up and they're holding one litre bottle of milk that's been refilled with water, because that's their water, yeah. and they've got jeans and sandals on and a oh, T-shirt. God. Oh, God. And you're in a... I don't know, so it's a communication, it's accessible, you want people out there, but at the same time we were there, we had a guide who was from uh, Switzerland or something, sitting there in full kit as well, just looking at these people walking up, we were all just shaking our heads, be- because we know what could go wrong, I suppose yeah. that's the thing. Like, I mean,
1: yeah, like, I mean, I run over those th- areas yes. and stuff like that, you know, and you go with a couple of mates, whatever, and you run these things, and yep. you'll be in like, you know, running gear, mm. but you know, you've still got to running bag on your back yeah. with like at least basic shit between, you know, like yeah. full wet weather's a hat and gloves and communication and water and mm. you know, basic yeah. stuff. and we're moving at speed, but at least we don't want to be like everybody else. Cause if we roll our ankles and do shit, it's like, okay, I've fucked up. I've got some mates here with me. It's an accident. Yeah. I've prepared. Yeah. yeah. So at least when I come and get rescued, hopefully it won't be somebody I know <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't get out at work, but at least I haven't caused them too much of a burden. Yeah,
0: that'll yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, be my worst thing part. is they
1: come out the chopper and they come over and it's like, and you are like, "Oh fuck," <laughs> you know, because you just never live it down. But at yeah. least I haven't caused myself yeah. as a burden. And you can sit out there in the open for so many hours waiting, and you, know, you can and see that they prepped.
0: It's the same thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, you've done everything, you've done your part. And, it's and an then there is an accident factor. Yeah, that's it. You open. don't do so much. Yeah, you're not going to hassle people. the like, same People that are well-prepped to go hunting and have an accident, accidents happen. It's a high-risk yeah. activity, I guess, really, is what yeah. so you... So you mentioned you're running, and it was something I did ages ago after I met you was doing a little bit of internet stalk, you know, that you just read it. Well, as you do, because I was like, oh, right, I'm going to chat with that guy at some point. Let's just do it back in the internet. So I, I saw a bit about your ultra marathoning, and I think I saw an interview you did on a... One of the oh mainstream God. things it was uh, men's health. Basically, it was oh. you're running for men's health or for men's you know. So, what was the story behind that? Was it a run for? Yes, yeah, so I. Yes, yeah, so it was
1: men's health month stuff but like you know I just got yeah, like you said, a little bit annoyed with like some of the not annoyed but just like with some of the way that like your mates and stuff obviously blokes look after themselves or don't look after mm. themselves and the lack of awareness of men's health like because. A lot of, you know, women's health programs, women are probably, they're a lot better than us, let's face it. <laughs> they're a lot more organised, and there's a lot more publicity as well, you know. Yeah. Breast cancer, cervical cancer, women's, all that sort of things. So they get followed up, and the women pay attention, they do stuff. Mm. Guys don't do shit. Mm. You know, it's like, okay, you know, I've been shitting blood for like, you know, three months or whatever, but maybe it'll stop. You yep. never get some woman, or you hope not. You know, so the whole thing was a men's health promotion thing, and they were looking for things to increase the sort of awareness and I was going off to do one of these runs. Mm-hmm. So I said, look, hey, it's all I'm paying for everything myself yeah. and that, but if you want to use it to raise awareness, then let's do it. Yeah. And they were quite keen. So mm-hmm. I did an ultramarathon in New Zealand training for one overseas and then did one through um, the desert over in Namibia for them. Oh, right. Just to raise awareness for them. Did some talks for them about men's yeah. health and saying like, hey, the whole reason was that get guys going to the GP so they don't show up in the emergency department with something that they've had for like you know six or seven months that you could have treated back then. Yeah. That now they've waited till basically they can't stand anymore, come into the hospital, and some of the things is like mm, you can treat. Some of them are like, well shit, mate, I really wish you'd come in yep. six months ago. Yeah. Because now you're in trouble. Yeah.
0: You know. Yep. And but uh, yeah, now you're undoing something that. You yeah. could have nipped off earlier. Yeah. It, it's funny. I mean, I, I, I talk about it for doing shooting instruction with the setup of a rifle, right? Is that a lot of guys, same thing. It's good enough. And they, I'd say they alpha the way through it, right? So it's that alpha mentality. I'm in charge of this. I'm okay. I don't need to ask for help. I'm just going to push through, push through, push through. And I always use the, the a firearm as an example. It's like if your eye relief is wrong or your position is wrong behind the gun, yeah you can probably push through it but it's not optimised you better to take the time and fix it yeah. and it's the same thing for guys health and for guys mental states as well um, that it's yeah something pops up and it's I guess the concern is is that yeah there's something slightly wrong with me I don't know is it a sign they're worried it's a sign of weakness or it's a sign of we don't want to have like yeah uh, probably a little bit of a mixture of
1: all of those yeah. you know with blokes and some blokes are just like you know you know generally like you got to you know, I assume that most New Zealand blokes are generally good funnels, but, you know, they just, society puts a lot of pressure on them these days to, to work and succeed and provide mm-hmm. and sort of stuff, you know, and I've seen guys you now who are actually trying to work themselves into an early grave. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, picking up extra shifts, doing more work, striving to be the best at this, either because they think that's what they need to do or, mm-hmm. you know, there's a missus and kids at home and they want to provide and doing all this sort of stuff. And it's just like, take a step back and think about like you know what you're doing to yourself as well because you know the missus and kids aren't going to be good if you work yourself into a grave yep. at 40 or yep. 50 you know you actually have to you know at the end of the day you know your wife kids when they get old they're not going to say oh i'm glad dad worked all those days to provide for a playstation and died 10 years early yeah you know they'd probably be like hey i'm glad dad was around more or, or and not still going to work yeah, it's yeah, yeah. still here you yeah. know who cares that we didn't have all the flesh stuff growing up yep. or the, I mean it's just shit mm. you know you'd rather have your old man around than just mm. having more stuff because well, worked, you
0: know. It, it's funny because I wonder with the whole like the other one I was going to say is that there's also the I don't want to be a problem I don't want to be a problem and I, I still wonder with like my father who eventually he is um, it was a asbestosis was essentially what got him so there's the other, It's workplace related. He was a tradesman. So it's something through his work is ultimately this is wellness and work. It's eventually, yeah, it affected his wellness. It killed him. But now I look back at it. For the longest time, he used to, he got to the point where he couldn't raise up his arm. And he was, I remember talking about it. He said, oh, it's just stretching, flexibility, got some cortisone and everything in it. Well, now in hindsight, that was probably that giant tumor that was growing there, yeah. but never got it. Never, whether he didn't register it or get it checked out, or mm. just didn't want to, it didn't want it to be what yeah. it possibly was. It's that generation, I think, a bit as well.
1: Like, yeah, because my dad passed away recently as well, and he did the same sort of thing. And like, oh, I'm a doctor, but he wouldn't tell me stuff. Mm. And because you know, you'd see, you know, he's down in Taranaki, was down in Taranaki, and I'm up here and work yep. and stuff. You know, you sort of you'd catch up a couple times a year or more, or whatever, or you call on the phone quite a bit, but they'd never say anything. Yeah, and you hadn't seen him for about six months. He so come down and he took one look at him and was like, "Shit, how long have you been like this?" Yeah, you know, and why is and it's like, "Oh, we didn't want to worry It's like no one's told you that he's lost weight. No one's told yep. you all this sort of stuff. And he just looked at him and like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, you know, the old man's sick. Mm. And then you try to get them to go to the hospital. You try to get them to do all these things. You try to put them in, and they sort of yeah, yeah. We we'll sort of you know yeah, yeah, sort of. And then by the time you got in there, like you know they never had a clear diagnosis but the old man had something with his pancreas. Mm. You know, and it's just like, but the boat had been missed ages before because in their generation they don't complain. Yeah. Whereas you get young, some young people now come in they complain about everything. Yeah. They've sort of gone <laughs> the opposite way. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So what you have, you, you're trying to aim for that happy medium yeah. about, but you know, if you can afford, people should be being proactive about their health if they can afford it. You mm. know, I feel sorry for the people that can't and those Great. low income because you know, they can't spend money to go do sports or do gym stuff or do or look after their health. But if you can afford it and you don't do it, there's no excuse really.
0: Mm. You know? Well it's you know it's a like you say, it's a very good point on the on the 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 luxury in some ways of being able to go yeah. and do that. Um you know I went in on uh yesterday to go get some new basically get a hearing test done and to mm. get some new custom ear molds made for my hearing protection. Yeah. And then, in, as I was there, I found that I've had impacted earwax. I've had one side cleared out. I'm working on getting the other side cleared out. And the last day, I've been walking around like my hearing has just increased. Exped- mm. And I said to Thomas, who was checking, I'm like, I didn't notice my hearing had gotten worse. He's like, you won't. It was gradual. Huh. But it's at the moment, it's like one ear is like that feeling where one ear is blocked and one ear is popped. Well, it's because he's hauled all this crap out of my ears. That was only there because of something I'm a but what? Probably will now be a routine check, you know. Mm -hmm. And you're right; it's a luxury. I can go and and Mm -hmm. go get that done as well.
1: But that's the thing. Like me, I'm in one of these positions. Like my work can suck at times, and it can be really hard, sleep wise and shift wise, and all that sort of detrimental health stuff. Yeah. But then I combat it by I can afford to, you know, go to the gym, go for a run, go see a massage therapist, mate of mine or like you know I do still see my GP regularly even though I probably don't need to I can just like hmm. you know get your scripts or do whatever over the phone or online but you go see them you know and it's just that so you look I spend more money on myself I suppose keeping myself fit and healthy a year than some of my mates doing the same profession yep. but then like you know a lot of them are overweight got other problems really like your best yep. friends and stuff and it's like bro you have really packed it on in the past couple of years you know <laughs> The blood pressure's high, the cholesterol, yeah. white, white, all this other stuff. And it's just because they've been so focused on the profession of being a successful doctor and providing that they haven't looked after themselves. Mm. And that was partly what drove that men's health thing too. It's yep. like you're watching your colleagues work themselves to the fucking ground. A lot of them have like broken up marriages, a lot of stress and shit. It's just
0: like, it's not worth it, man. No profession's worth that. Well, I think that's a trap from my observation and... Mum was aware of this as well, so this is how maybe I've seen some of the insight into it, but it's the healthcare workers who don't look after their own health, which is the irony. Their their job is looking after people's health, and they'll be the first to go, you know what, you probably need to sort your diet and have some exercise and everything. And yes, they could be sitting there overweight, well, not quite smoking anymore in the, yeah, in, yeah. the um, in the you know room, but but yeah, that maybe just that self reflection. And you say it's yeah, it can be because you focus so much externally yeah. from it as well yeah. that you kind of forget. Yeah. But They used to say, was it like a doctor that looks after themselves as an idiot for a patient or
1: something? I'm not sure. Is it idiot <laughs> <laughs> or a fool for a patient? But yeah, you know, what you mean? Eh? It's just like I always wondered why they you know like when you go for firearms, they're quite you know they always ask about you know have you suffered from depression and stuff mm. like this, and it's just like well. A lot of people I know sort of like, you know, it's the actual shooting, whether you just like target shooting, it's quite stress relieving. Yeah. You know? And whether it's just the fact that it's, you know, that same sort of breathing that you use for target shooting as you use for like, you know... Mindfulness. Whether, yeah, whether they call it mindfulness yeah. or combat breathing or... Yep. You know, people do it in an emergency before a big trauma comes and you can see yep. your colleagues are sitting like, you're taking a couple of slow deep breaths. You're yep. like, oh, yeah, that person's just getting centred for the...
0: Yeah. You know? The, um, I mean, you might be in a the, I need to catch up with again and probably another talk with there's a guy I interviewed Kalen, Kalen Wojcik from the Modern Day Sniper Yeah, and he, he started coining the term of mindfulness behind the rifle mindfulness yep. and shooting and I, when I interviewed him I said okay you're aware of the mindfulness movement meaning you sit down I've got the mindfulness app on my phone it's yeah, you know, yeah. daily mm-hmm. practice I sit down and do 10 minutes and he's like yeah oh no that's intentional he, he does yoga every morning he does breath work mm-hmm. every morning after his cup of tea and it's just it's and I've always thought that to me, shooting for me is my, it's my current or modern martial art yeah. in form and then, it, then it's my meditation, which is flow state and all those things as well. Yeah. Um, so yes, and it, it's interesting because something else, I don't know if it's something you can talk to because it talk to it about much because of your primary emergency, but it's one thing that's come up is that yes, for a lot of guys, it's stress relief and it's part of their management. But some of the changes that have been proposed or coming through, there's a lot of guys now fearing going to a yeah. health professional yeah. and a a, um, a counsellor, basically, because, because they're the, worried they're going to lose their firearms yeah. licence. And I don't think that should be
1: the case. For me, I just, you know, I don't... It shouldn't be like, you know, just because you've had... I mean, everybody experiences lows and highs in their life, and whether you want to call it depression or just a natural variant yeah. of the flow in your life... yeah. If you've been brave enough to seek some help and talk to someone, and even some people get put on some antidepressants for a very short period of time, like not their entire life, yep. just to help with bereavement, that shouldn't prohibit you from getting a firearm. Yeah. I mean, deaths by self-inflicted firearm injuries, when you compare it to something you can go to the chemist and buy paracetamol, mm. I mean, it's like there's
0: this massive difference. Yep. You know, people don't usually kill
1: themselves a lot with firearms, you know?
0: Well, I think that something they love to bring up as a figure is, is the death by firearm side of things. Yeah, but but it, it's backwards because it's... I think it's backwards because at that point, they're not, to be blunt, killing themselves because they've got a gun. They've made the decision to commit yep. suicide because of whatever else is going yeah. on. And then that is one of many tools. And like yeah. you say, there's many things you can buy yeah. off the counter. It's like yeah. people... Again, growing up in the environment I grew up, I I learned some great tricks if you want to commit suicide, how you do it, and there's much more, you know.
1: So what they need to look at is people, like if they wanted to look at a true relevant suicide, they should be looking at people who like get their firearms license and then commit suicide, like the time frame between, because that's what they're interested in, isn't it? They don't want this person to have a firearms license because they're going to get it and they're going to go shoot themselves the next day.
0: That Which to me, to me is a lot of work. Yes. It's a lot of work to kill yourself when you yeah. could just go and, out and... and that, to be blunt, at that point, if they've gone, if there's that much intent behind it... Yep. They were going to kill themselves. Yes. You're never not stop stopping them. Though. They're no. going to find a different way. They're going to do whatever yeah. it was. But I, what, what interests me as well is I think partly, though, is it's partly been misconstrued as well because I don't know if a lot of health professionals... And I'm going to go talk. So after my father passed, I went and got some grief counselling. Because I thought, again, this is self looking after myself. Yeah. I'm like, because of what I do, yeah. I want to go get a check in and just check. There's nothing I'm missing and everything. I was going through the grief process. I was um so I was going through the grief process. But I wanted to talk to him about that and just to check in like I just basically need to check, Doc, is there anything I need to be aware of that might sideline me or whatever it was? And lo and behold, there wasn't. But I intentionally wanted to go do that preempting anything that might yeah. happen. So, I, but I do wonder whether, and I, I'll go talk, uh, hopefully I get to sit down with him and talk to him about this from a counsellor's point of view, is I don't think the intent of what's going to happen is the moment they find out that someone has firearms that they're going to be calling the police and go come get his guns and everything, because no. I don't think most of no. those health professionals would do that anyway. Yeah, right. And you're not
1: supposed to either. I mean, you're only, re- you're only really supposed to like intervene like that if there's a... Immediate Yeah, immediate to, direct threat to a person or... or themselves, themselves or somebody else, yeah. And you shouldn't, because I mean, hunting for a lot of guys is therapeutic because you go out with your mates yeah. and you spend a weekend with your mates yep. and you ditch the cell phones like you say, because there's no coverage and that's therapeutic. Or you go to the range and it's just like, same thing again, there's no cell phone. Mm. You're concentrated and focused on one thing. Yeah. Your breathing's relaxed. You're more relaxed. I mean, you shouldn't lose that because you've been depressed at some stage. Yeah. You know, so it's be exactly what you so, need. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they do, what is it? They're... You know there's all those things in America where they ex combat guys mm. go out and shoot and stuff, yep. and it gives them
0: familiarity it gives them something they're good at mm. yeah well, I think that's the thing it's like if if somebody is having a like you say more i like the the term almost more the ebbs and flows of life yeah. rather than just let's call it clinical depression it's yeah. just like I'm down we have all have days we're all we'll down have down but you don't want to, the, I guess it's that threat of losing, lose your firearm, lose the ability to go out if your mate's hunting, which is not true anyway. Yeah. You actually could. Yeah. But I think it's then the guys, again, social stigma, self-perceived. Yeah. They social, get labelled oh, this. Why did you lose your licence, mate? Yeah. What's wrong with you? It's like, yeah.
1: well, You're not safe anymore to hold a firearm, you yeah. know? Somebody said that you can't do something because yeah, you're it's not fit.
0: Yeah, They say you're We're not sp- fit
1: to do this. It's like, well, just sort of, it feels like they're kicking somebody when they're down a yeah. little bit, you know?
0: And I guess partly it's also, I've never been in a situation. I know, I've, I've had guys who have quietly said, look, I'd, I'm a little bit down at the moment. If I need to, can I hand my firearms over to you? Yeah. I'm like, of course you can, yeah. man. Cool, no, no question about it, won't say anything, whatever. By the way, would you like to have a chat about, you know, if not, I'm not a qualified person for it, but I can also, I've got an ear. So yeah. we can, I can you get know, well, one ear at the moment, one ear at the moment, with the blockage. Yeah. But so that's the thing. I think there's a real concern to me. I would do it anyway. This is the thing. If I was at that point, yeah. I'm going to go see because I sort of maybe understand the process. And if I need to put the guns away or lose a <laughs> license or whatever, I'm still going to go see and get help, seek help for it because of my priorities for it. But I don't think that taking or losing that would actually be part of the issue or the solution anyway i mean the first thing i said to this the the therapist was like look i am involved with firearms i have a lot to do with them on training and everything and blah 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 and this is partly why i'm here and and chatting about it and the funny thing is he turned around as a a central counsellor and said you know what i'm amazed about how many of my mates actually have firearms licenses when you start talking to them so you know it's it's more common than people realize and yeah, I certainly don't want people to have a perception that they can no longer ask for no. help because it might risk their firearms license. Yeah. So.
1: Well, that's the thing. That's, that would be my biggest worry too. Because I mean, if you took half the doctors and stuff that work in the hospitals at some time, you know, half most of them are pretty down at times. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, yeah. they get, you know doctors and nurses and that because they're working, you know, crazy shifts. Some of them are pretty high at times, so they're pretty down. Yeah. Some of them probably meet technical clinical depression. Mm-hmm. You know, at times it's just like, so are you going to take or stop them from getting a firearms licence. It's yep. like, you know, yet you get some young person or whatever who's an absolute muppet but could pass the test and be clinically fine or whatever yep. and whatever will not say anything and you're going to give them a... Yeah. Yep. Well, that's the thing.
0: And I, and I hope for people, if, if it comes up in, in somebody's circle of friends where, for whatever reason, a guy has been seeing a doctor or a counsellor, whatever it is, that you still accept that that is a <laughs> temporary thing and yeah. the best thing you can do is still go, oh, well, dude you come out with us, we're in charge of the guns because we can still supervise stuff guys yeah. can still, but I say to people with the seven rules of firearm safety, the last one avoid, you know, drugs or alcohol um, when handling, I shouldn't know the words, but anyway, when handling firearms basically yeah. and I'm like, that's that's your mental state of being as well, we use the terms alcohol and drugs, but that could be a you're having a bit of a downer, yeah. you've had a good barney with the missus, the kids have been screaming at you, you don't have enough sleep all these other things that do it into it but well, that doesn't mean that you can't necessarily go out with your mates and tag along. And maybe they can even, when it comes down to it, you could probably still take the shot. It's just yeah. that you're not the one who carries the rifle around. Yeah. You're not the one officially in charge yeah. of it. Because
1: they might just not be, you know, in their current moose state, they might just not be concentrating enough because yeah. their mind's so fuzzled that you don't really want them walking out the of fire. Yep. But then when you put something in front of them, and, yeah. Exactly. You know, it's just because people can get like that at work. You just look a little bit fuzzled and dazed, yep. you know. That's why I have a problem with some medical records and coding systems and stuff because they'll put for people like, you know, they'll code them as anxiety or they'll code them as depressed. And it's just like, well, no, that's a normal grief reaction. Mm. That's not depression. That's a normal grief reaction or this is a normal situation reaction. Yeah. But by putting because you know, it's it's what you can code for yeah, yeah in these electronic days putting anxiety or depression on does stigma or label mm. some people if you're not careful mm. I mean because then what can you do can you take that diagnosis off while well, you can't because you've said like back in you know 2007 they were depressed yeah it's like well they weren't they were just suffering grief yeah you know and I'm pretty sure if you look for a lot of doctors records, Done by other doctors, you'd have like this person was depressed, this was this this person was just plain bloody you know. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no, they weren't. It's yeah. like, you know, work was tough. They had exams, they had other stuff, you know, they were it's normal. Yeah. If somebody's fine and says they're fine every day of the year and every, then that's the person you gotta worry about, you know. Yeah. But I'm like yeah, I use the phone apps and stuff that uh, John Cohen won. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. I think that's quite yep. cool. Yep. And most of the ones, the only things that I've saved on it all the time is it ends up being the breathing because <laughs> it's something you know, it's like,
0: hey, he's teaching people to breathe too. It's there just there not, is yeah. so much that comes down to breathing. Yeah. This is the thing. It's it's, just, a, it's the same again, I relate a lot of stuff to rifle, you yeah. know, marksmanship and stuff and you watch guys, it's the biggest issue is is because they get behind the rifle and there's they so much pain in the head they forget to breathe. Breathe. Yeah. And they're like, When do I break the shot? And see so everything. It's like, Don't worry about that, just worry about it. just breathing normally yeah, exactly. for a start. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. everything's shaking you going weird and you hear <laughs> like, them breathe a minute it's like yeah don't worry about when to break the shot just breathe normally for a, for a baseline
1: <laughs> and it's good for people with like they're feeling depressed or anxious because it's like you know we're down or anxious because it's one thing you've got control of Yeah, you can take control of your breathing and just do it you know and it just senses everything else but I knew you fellas would probably be into that with hunting and shooting and stuff mm. and it's like what we try to get people to do like if you spot a young person or a young dog where it's quite anxious or whatever you know you try to get them to Hey, have you thought about breathing. Yeah, just center on yourself just having to breathe before they come in. You know, slow down, have a breathe.
0: I, I think for me is like I've seen a resurgence in this whole the terminology of mindfulness and everything mm. with, with my parents were basically um what is the term? Born again hippies or the alternative <laughs> movement and everything. You know, but but coming from a health background as well, yeah. with you know, so with I went to I use the term carefully, but alternative lifestyle um, some gatherings and stuff and everything. And you've always got the people who are expecting the aliens to come down and using crystal <laughs> healing and everything like that. That's, that's always one side of it, you know. But then there's also always been a lot of the body work, which now has been sort of modernised and tied in a little bit with yeah. the scientific community, which is mindfulness yeah. and, you know. But its origins is basically your yoga and yeah. your breathing. And
1: it's like all those, a lot of lifting coaches now. Yeah. And, like, you know, it's like those Kelly star that he does the... Yeah, all those CrossFit mobility-wide types. Yep. A lot of stuff they're doing now is centering on breathing. Yeah. You know, and there's different ones, you know. Um, oh, there's some other exercise ones you can sign up to. And before they start every workout, they do different breathing cycles yeah. and different, you know, power and endurance and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, because your breathing is huge. If you go out and do it like an ultra, if your heart rate's going too fast, or if you're breathing too fast, your heart and lungs and everything else in your body is going to give out well before your legs. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to breathe. Yep. And you got to practice breathing and breathing slowly.
0: Well I think what is good is happening is it's being, a lot of the terminology is being modernised yeah. and it's being tied back into sports performance. Yeah. Which makes it more acceptable. Acceptable, yeah. It's, it's hippie it? Yeah, it's not the hippie stuff. You're not I, I saw a great um, I forget the guy's name, um, Scott Sonison I think, who was doing a lot of kettlebell stuff. Yeah. And at the beginning and the end for warm out and, and cool down, he was using basically quite traditional yoga moves. And Halfway through one He was doing one That was very yogery, And he's like Look I'm going to be clear I'm not trying to convince you To all become yogas I'm trying to get you To progressively deload your back After doing a kettlebell yeah. workout And it turns out That this is one of the best ways Of doing it So it becomes more accessible To people And that's From my martial arts background It's like breathing Was always fundamental <laughs> To all of it anyway Well all that stuff Is just like you know, They
1: just steal it From different things That have been around for ages eh? Yeah. Just like you said Make it more acceptable More repackaged. modernized Repackaged it, Yeah <laughs> You know, like, I don't know, if I'm becoming, like, technically back in the old days, they'd probably say I'm becoming more hippie-ish because I prefer to, you know... They always ask you, like, oh, do you like animals? And I say, yeah, they're tasty. But I probably eat less meat now than I used yep. to. And when I do eat meat, I'd much rather eat something that I've shot or a friend shot or something than actually going out and eating the cow or... Yeah. You know, because I don't... You know, because you just think about it. It's not the fact that it's meat, because meat's tasty, but... <laughs> It's just like you know. I'd rather eat something that's had a you know been running around free and had like theoretically a good life, and then yes. all of a sudden lights are out. Yeah, you know, than eat something big dumb animal or some small animal that's walking around in a paddock all the time. You know, yeah, that's shitting everywhere and bugging and up the environment. For nothing
0: other than consumption. Yeah. And then it just and seems life
1: a bit, is, Yeah, the more you think about it, it just seems a bit wrong because animals are reasonably intelligent you know yeah. it's just like it just seems a little bit wrong and a bit wasteful when well, you've well, got all this free tucker running around if you can get access to it yeah you know? that's
0: it and it was interesting um talking at kindergarten um was dropping a little girl off and having conversation with that and you do talk about hunting and but then if you if you approach it right and you can stay level-headed and don't become defense and just start talking about well what was that animal's life up to that point and i got them actually the the person behind the counter wasn't anti-hunting anyway really but we we're talking about that we were talking about the where animals and, and slaughterhouses and the process of that and yeah. it's like well can i said to them can you imagine in the in the bush what would they say oh how cruel is the the hunter well no it was a genuine yeah. it was a genuine question yeah. you know it's like well how cruel or how how much pain do they go through and it's like well, it was pretty damn instant if you yeah. really you know if you're a good shot, you know. but, if, and if not it's still on a scale of things it's still pretty quick because what's the alternative what what does an animal uh, deer in the bush die on natural causes it's not normally that pleasant no it's going to be starvation or major injury which injury, which means it could be lying there for quite a long time so or if you watch animals lined up for the slaughterhouse like you
1: say yeah. I mean shit you know, they're watching all their other mates well if they have mates but they're watching everybody else getting like bolted you know yeah. To the head and that. I mean, Jesus, animals are going for a shitload of stress. On the
0: travelling there and everything. So I I think it's an interesting, um, you know, and i I found that I've always had good success with people who aren't necessarily hunting. I mean, if someone's flat out anti-hunting, for whatever reason, they've got the defences up, they've got no interest in your arguments or discussion anyway. But I've found people who are a bit more neutral, coming from a genuine place of I don't know, but I'm willing to learn. You explain the process to them and And coming from an ethically sound point and explaining that to them, and I can't talk for all hunters because I know some unethical hunters. <laughs> I know some guys who just don't really they just they'll shoot anything goes down, they're not really whatever it's just and it's i not i maybe unethical's not the right term I don't know, I think maybe it's just a different upbringing where they they just they don't have that value on the on the 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 life of the animal or just, I don't know I don't know. <laughs> But I I was always sort of brought up, it's like, yeah, you're you're taking life. It's feeding my life. It's feeding my family and everything like that. But there needs to be some little bit of thanks for the fact that I am killing something to do it. So, and it's only a brief moment and... People have their own process after that, you know. It's it's interesting. You see, some people put that bit of grass in the mouth for the last meal <laughs> overseas. You know, they, everyone's yeah, got they different cultures. Yeah, so people like
1: you know, you
0: see there's some
1: very sort of traditional fellas down around there who, who give thanks. You know, yeah. for like, and it's just like, well, yeah, whatever.
0: You know, it's well, like I, I find even if it's not an official like we'll say the word prayer that yeah. you say over the animal, most guys I know at some point stop for a microsecond yeah. before they, head and you yeah. just go thanks. Yeah. Before you And that's really the know. same process. It's yeah, it just is. that some of it is formalised and some of it is just something that we do.
1: Yeah.
0: So yeah. Give give thanks for the life that you've taken, I suppose. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not quite sure how we got that to that point. No, I but- don't know how do
1: <laughs> Something all Yeah. I think the stress relief and stuff, was not it?
0: Yeah, but uh, yeah. So, but uh, the the breathing thing, anyway. So, I, I think it's uh, or more more to the point. I think where we started was as guys asking for help, and I think that's just the big yeah. thing. Is that it's, yeah, we just don't want to make
1: it. Yeah, that's the big thing. You want guys to ask for help. You want the guys to be proactive, but you just don't want society to punish them for doing it. Yeah, I think was the big thing. And like you say, you don't want people to lose something that they enjoy or they find stress relieving, like shooting or hunting or going with mates, because they've actually been gutsy enough to come forward and Ask for their help. seek help yep. I mean yeah they've just got to get society's got to get its head around that you know that, especially I suppose at the moment there's a lot of anti-firearms and then there's mm-hmm. weird stuff happening on the news yep. and all this sort of stuff and it's just like yeah and people are looking at me like you've got a firearms license and you're an emergency doctor and stuff it's like well yeah I also have a motorbike that's more likely to kill me yeah, yeah. you know yeah. Yeah, if, if my helmet's cracked I've got a DNA. <laughs> yeah. Know? but it's just like yeah so I own a firearm but like I'm not a nutter No, most people that own firearms are not nutters
0: well most of it this is the theory we've actually been through a process where we've been evaluated not to I mean yeah. this, is, this is the irony that's I, I say you, you talk to a psychologist or something the only the very few people who have been deemed to be perfectly sane are the people or at some point had to go see a psychologist just- because there were some other issues and they were deemed to be sane. Most of us can't even say that. Yeah. However, the theory would be most of firearms owners are able to say that we've been deemed as fit and proper people. So... That's not a very good argument for somebody who's no, anti gun It'll never I'm work a, that yeah, way. I'm a
1: fit and proper person now. I'm hoping they were already saying that before I got my firearms license, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know. True. Yeah. Sorry mate, we've told you to have your firearm license, but by the way, you have still got your medical one. <laughs> yeah, you can still open people up yeah, okay. you over, Or inject them with big doses yep. of stuff, you know. I know like, I,
0: look, I and I think Auckland is, is very um, I won't say unique, but is always very interesting for me Do I look through the list of people applying for their firearms licence and there's a lot of different names and there's a lot Lot of different surnames and backgrounds and stuff and yeah. so I keep on going back to them for the, particularly for I talk of people in Auckland because I'm in Auckland yeah. I grew up in Auckland that yeah someone might say to you oh you're a doctor but you've got a firearms license you'll be amazed who has firearms licenses and it's just a it's a sport or it's an outlet yeah. or it's a way of getting food for them it's it doesn't the the stereotype of a firearms owner for most people is is so wrong particularly up here in Auckland this is the thing
1: Well the thing is You can be in the military And be trained To shoot and kill people
0: Because
1: mm. like, let's face it That's what they're training you for yeah. Not you're going to do it But that's what they're training you for yeah, yeah. And you don't have a licence Yeah You don't have a firearms licence yep. Yet somebody is training you And trying to give you the mindset That if needs must mm. You're going to shoot And kill someone Yeah You know They just try to ignore that yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah Fact That's the only reason Why you're picking up a weapon Yeah you know You don't pick it up For you know Shits and giggles Or to You know
0: Wound someone You know <laughs> Just to keep you guys busy Yeah <laughs> <laughs> you Just to keep us busy You know Yeah but, but yeah, so I, I I think that's the thing as well, and it, it just it, uh, like I say, the the backgrounds it's never ceases to amaze. That's why I always ask people, why are you getting your firearms license? You're hunting, you're target shooting, you're collecting, and and Auckland like the course I did on the weekend, it, and often it is. It's about a fifty-fifty split as well between just target shooting and hunting. Um, but then I always suggest guys are getting a target shooting. It's like, well, be open to the idea of potentially going hunting one day because there's value in it. And certainly guys hunting, I definitely tell them to be open to the idea of going target shooting because that's how you hone your yeah. craft.
1: So, I mean, I'm interested in, like, all aspects of sort of, like, you know, hunting, all that sort of providing stuff because I think it's a very useful skill to have these days. I don't know if, it's like, you know, as, as blokes we're getting less manly or whatever, but, you know, we're getting obviously more civilised or what they call civilised, and mm. it's really useful skill with some people that you meet that the shit they can do, you know. Yeah. They can hunt. They can butcher. They can fish. They can navigate. They can do all those practical things in society that a lot of people are lacking these yeah. days. Yeah, you know? and,
0: and it's been highlighted again recently by the COVID lockdown. Yeah, that suddenly it's like you're a of People start like, going about the courses, weren't they? Courses yeah. for people with more inquiries for yeah. courses on practical yeah. everyday skills yeah. that you. Oh, want. The, the supermarket sometimes runs out of food. Yeah, what are you going to do? And you know, I think there was. There's been a by my understanding there's been an influx of applications for firearms licences as well so this, this is the other irony we went, we we're we behind anyway because there's actually a lot of people getting their firearms licence always has been yeah. all these things that have happened and all the incidences where you might put it on it's like no there's just been a constant increase which is another thing we don't really hear a lot about mm. but certainly through the COVID I think a lot of people have been oh actually yeah I want to be you know I talk to people it's like what do you want to get oh I want to get a 22 or you know I want to do I had one person once use the word uh, he would use the word prepper and I'm like I don't think you want to use the word prepper when it comes to firearms <laughs> licensing but what do you want to do he's like oh well if I need to I want to know I can go get some yeah. pests or maybe get some food for myself and be a little mm, bit Long wrong term but he probably had the right idea yeah, yeah. I know calling you know I want to get him prepping or survival I'm like no that's the zombie apocalypse <laughs> but being a little bit more self-sufficient and yeah. being a little bit more handy and I mean even Auckland is a great one power goes out and everyone panics so I just get the gas cooker out and I've got water there yeah. and even if I don't have food, I've got dehydrated food, but I've always got food and we can prep yeah. food on a gas cooker. We put the candles on and it actually turns into a bit of fun time because I love it when, the, when things go out, you know, because it gives you
1: a chance to go back and do all that sort of stuff that you were when you were a kid. Yeah. That you were sort of taught and you wish you'd paid more attention to yep. back in the day, you know. But so, um, all that sort of practical stuff is good. Like, I know at least if I get out in the bush, you know, and I can't find my way out, I can still, thanks to the sort of Things you picked up over the years, you can build yourself a shelter. You can build yourself a yep. fire. You can stay alive. You know, yeah with some of your mates, you know, they want to come walking or running with you and stuff because they know that if they fall over and do something stupid, they <laughs> can't do that. But at least you can. You <laughs> know, got you there. But yeah, yeah.
0: yeah <laughs> I've, I've always I've had that with. conversation with people. Yeah. It's like, oh, you would come with them. It. Like, and it's like
1: most groups have that really useful person, which is not me, but you have the <laughs> super useful person in the group that's like you know. Yeah. Hey, that's the practical one who's yeah. gonna like you know fix everything.
0: <laughs> well, and also these, in modern days as well, I think it's great, especially and I'm aware of this with kids even more so. Maybe yeah. is that it gives you the alternative or that break from the screen time and the modern yeah. social media and all these things which are great. Not from for a moment, I'm not one to because this, what well, this whole thing is, it's all done through social media and through yeah. a podcast. And you know, so I'm, it's a great way of dispersing that information, but it's also great at some point to turn it off. And to decompress yeah. and have a break, and a lot of people don't have that at all now. Yeah. That's the thing. Well, my best mate, his, his,
1: his um, son is my godson. One of my godsons, and he's like, it's your job to make sure that he has all the practical time, <laughs> so <laughs> he knows how to go out and yeah. you know go tramping, and he knows how to build a shelter, he knows yeah. how to go hunting stuff. And he's like, oh, should I better brush up? Yeah, how how to read a map, and you're like, oh, I used to be able to do that really well years ago, but now you're stuck in Auckland and there's GPS and all this sort yeah. of stuff that wasn't around when. You well,
0: that's a kid. And that's where we, we go back to those hunting courses that I've had people approaching me about because you realise you talk to them, it's not only the firearm side of it, but they also like, well, what do we, how do we navigate out there? Because they're not on tracks. And they don't necessarily think that's true. It's like you're going to go into a regional park or a big area where there's no signposts. Yeah. There's no tracks. And yes, you've got your triple skinned, you know, super lightweight tent or anything, but where you try and put it up, it's actually not going to be flat or there's not going to be space for it because you're not on a campsite. So what are you going to do then? And it's like,
1: oh, there's other stuff to learn as well. I've been out tramping with some people, and they're like, oh, how do you know where you're going? It's like, well, I'm following the the trail, and they're like, what trail? Because it's not a marked one. So like, yeah. well, this trail. Like, you can see heaps of shits walk this way, mm. but it's just people that are too used to use the cities. They eh? can yep. What trail? It's like the one we're on at the moment. Just Situational
0: awareness has been this thing that has just disappeared and disappeared and disappeared. You know, just getting a bit more money. Eh? Yeah. So I love getting out and
1: I love hanging out with people that know heaps, eh? And you get those guys, you know, when you hit it at Gizzy and other places and that just, yeah, you know, real practical sort of, mm-hmm. you know, will spot deer well before you've even seen yep. it. Spot track, spot, you know, you can just do all this sort of stuff. You're just like, man, that's awesome. Completely different skill set and person than me, but it's like, fuck, that's awesome, eh? Mm-hmm. You know, love those sort of people.
0: So... It- to uh, bring it back, I suppose, to the day job. <laughs> the That's heck? right. This is the idea of the, it's, yeah. Yeah, to run around. So if, just to, to kind of finish things off, if you had sort of one request of people to make your life a little bit easier in the emergency department,
1: oh,
0: be it specific or quite general, what would it be, mate? Just don't be a dick.
1: <laughs> it's just simple. It's just don't be a dick. It's just like, you know, have some awareness of when you come in about other people that are there that are sick, you know, and staff and that, like staff are human beings, you see, nothing frustrates me more than people, young people especially being dicks to nurses mm. young men especially being dicks to nurses and treating them like well you hope they wouldn't treat their mum like that because their mum would slap them I mm. hope, but just being absolute demanding pricks, it's like that's a nurse, it's not a fucking maid, Yeah, be polite be, you know that's the biggest thing, you know we will treat everybody and we'll treat Whatever comes, whether it be a stub toe or you've got your leg blown off, whatever. We will treat everything, but the leg blown off gets the priority over the stub toe. We will still see you and we'll still be polite and kind to you, but have some awareness that, hey, if you're sitting there for four hours, there's a reason. Mm. Some people are fine with that. They'll bring a book in, they'll sit down, they'll do, you know, that's cool, and they'll be polite and they'll be nice, but don't be a dick about it. There's a lot of... Oh, especially some of the more wealthier people, I suppose, in Auckland mm. that are just so self-entitled that they'll just be dicks. It's just yeah. like, well, if you were that upset about waiting an hour or two hours, you can afford to go to a, That was going to be my... You know, yeah. you don't need to, The emergency department is actually not made for you. Yeah, It's made for trauma and for people that can't afford yeah. to pay for healthcare. You know, if you can really afford it and then you're going to be shitty because... You know, you've got some dinner engagement to go to or something, you know, which does happen. Yeah, you know, Seriously. It's just like, well, don't be a dick about it. Because yeah. the more you're a dick to the nurses and stuff, they'll tell us. Yeah. And then the less likely I am, like, I'll be honest, to come and see you in a hurry. Mm. Because, you know, if you insult my nursing staff and stuff that I'm on, and we do see each other like as a big family down there, yeah. it's like, you know. You'll get treated and you'll get treated um, let's see, just to cover myself <laughs> ethically and in an appropriate manner. Yeah. But no one's gonna go out of their way if there's other more important stuff to be, yeah. you know? You just yeah, don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the best way you can put it. <laughs> it's a good life. Simple advice,
0: way to remember, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome man. thanks for for time. Long no time covering. It's been it's been great. That's what, it yeah, is. It's a good rain stop, don't pipe me, Sid. <laughs> You can now
1: get by the cat. <laughs> he <takes a laughs> by the cat he's like, what have you done?
0: What have you done?